Uh, it is always a pleasure and a privilege for me uh, to be with our brothers and sisters. Uh, and again, on behalf of the 150 other churches that are worshiping this morning, coming together to celebrate our Lord and to be an instrument in his hand, I would um, ask you to read the word of the scripture with me from Ezekiel. I'll be in Ezekiel 37 today. Uh, excited, I hear you all are doing this Immerse series, a uh, wonderful time of kind of getting back into the Word. I'll, I'll talk about that in just a little bit, but let me start with our scripture and then um, share with you what the Lord has been sharing with me. Now, I'll begin um, uh, in Ezekiel, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, 37, verse 1. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Bow with me. Father, would you allow the messenger to decrease so that your spirit may move and your truth may go forward with power? We are here because we long for an encounter with the living God. Send your angels around this place. Bless each and every person and family within the sound of my voice and even online, God. May your kingdom come. And may your will be done among us this morning. We pray these things and all God's children said amen. 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 It was a, a real privilege for me when Pastor Kurt asked me to speak on Ezekiel. In my own time this year, I've been rereading the Old Testament and um, have been spending a lot of time in the prophets. So I had just finished reading through Ezekiel uh, when he asked me to share this word. And so... Um, I'm excited about this book, um, and if you've been journeying along and, and in the series, I hope the prophets have prompted you and maybe poked you and stirred us up a little bit. Forgot to mention one disclaimer. Uh, I'm not Pentecostal, but I apparently have some Pentecostal seeds planted in me, so... Every now and then, just for mercy, grace, or pity, an occasional amen would be wonderful. <laughs> just if it looks like I'm struggling, barely hanging on, or if God spoke to you, just throw one up, and I would so much appreciate it. The preaching will be much shorter and better if you could do that. Okay, so back to where I was. Amen. Good, good spot. I was waiting for that. Wonderful. Okay. The prophets were sent by God to his people at a time when they needed to hear a word from the Lord. And as I've been going through this series, I can't think of a more apt time than the place that our world and our country, maybe even our state, maybe even this community is in, that we need to hear from the Lord more than we ever have. And so I am expecting God to be stirring you as he has been stirring me. I am convinced 
that the church of Jesus Christ is God's plan A, B, and C for what he's trying to do in a broken and hurting world. Good spot for an amen right there. Well, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll keep up. Um, I'm convinced it's the church. And so I wonder what he is stirring up in semi-covenant. I wonder what, what anxieties, what passions, what burdens that you are feeling stirred up and motivated to participate in. We see that the world has all kinds of issues and problems around us, and, and every issue and problem is not for every person, but you will hear me say throughout this message that there is land that God has called each one of you to redeem. You are redeemers of the brokenness in this world. Not all of it, but a portion of it. You have been gifted, designed, prepared, and sent for such a time as this to be part of God's movement in a broken world. And the prophets, just like they called the people of Israel long ago, are calling us to that same message. So, so let, me, let me keep going in our scripture. The next portion of the scripture, here is what God is saying to Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel says, then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. This is nothing less than a declaration of resurrection. God is declaring, I can take the broken, dried out, and dead things, and just as I brought humanity into existence in uh, long ago when I breathed life into dust, I can breathe life into broken and dried bones, and they will be restored. I wonder if you can see any dry bones in your own life. Are there any dead places in your journey of faith, in your family, in your family history, in, in the people that you love and care about? Where are the dry and dead places that you see? And do you think the valley of dry bones can be resurrected? <laughs> Have we stopped believing that God is still in the miracle business? I, I run into friends of mine from my high school and college days. I grew up back east, but we're still in touch, and, and there's a bunch of people from school that I went to that live out here. So every now and then I'll run into them, and I haven't seen them for 10, 20 years, and I can't wait for that question. So what are you doing? Well, I'm a pastor. And that same look always comes across their face. I don't know... I don't know why that is, but my response is always the same. Well, God is still in the miracle business. He is still in the miracle business. I am a living testimony to God's resurrection power that he can find the dry, broken, lost, and abandoned things and breathe new life into them. And I think we forget that. I think we stop expecting it. 
I think we stop looking for God to make things new. It doesn't take much investigation to look around our world with all of the brokenness. The Bible says wars and rumors of wars. Parents and children at odds with each other. All kinds of conflict and division. We are divided among every line and, and bent and, and ism that you can possibly imagine in this world and in this country. And I wonder if we are still expecting God to restore and heal. By the way, not magically out there in the cloud, but because you know Jesus, resurrection happens around you. That he speaks to you and he says, find dry bones, find death and despair, find places where people are worn out and hopeless, and you speak a prophetic word into that situation. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to make, wave a magic wand and make it go away. Your call is to speak a prophetic word of truth and God's resurrection power into broken situations. And he said, I'll, put, I'll do the work. Your job is to speak what you know to be true about your God and wait for the breath of God to move into that dead situation. Another good spot for an amen. Don't worry, you'll catch up. You'll catch up. He said, I will put the flesh and the skin and the muscles, I will do it step by step. That's not our job. I think we get frustrated because we can't fix it all. Because, because we can't make it just go away. We've been seeing the same situation, in, again, in our households, in our marriages, with our children, and we see it time and time again, and we get so frustrated with the fact that it's not happening in our time that we stop doing the assignment, which was to speak truth into brokenness. Spring li speak life into death. Hold fast, be faithful, sometimes be still, and know that God is God and sees us and cares more about the brokenness than we do. We're called to be faithful speakers of the word. It's one of the things that I've loved about the prophets is that um, Ezekiel was actually a priest. What happens is that he was a priest in, in, in a horrible situation, the, the Jews are, have been taken away in exile to Babylon. It doesn't get much worse. They are, they are servants and victims in a foreign land to people who they know hate and despise them. And he was just on the cusp of becoming a great priestly leader. And all of a sudden, he finds himself in a place away from his, away from his land, away from everything that he knew was normative, away from his status and stature that he was rising up. He was in his late 20s about to be declared a priest of God among his people and receive honor and, and all the accolades that came along with that. And he finds himself sitting among a people who hate him and despise him and his people have lost all of their stature. And God said, in the midst of that terrible situation, speak my truth. You're a prophet. Did you know that? We know that we're a royal priesthood. But not only are you a priesthood, which is meant to, to give honor to God and call people to give honor to God, but you're also called to speak the word of God into the people. You are a priest and a prophet in a broken and hurting world. 
That's my encouragement for you. And, and, and all we do is we hold fast to believe that God will move. So God is in the story unfolding. He gives him this valley of dry bones. So let me let me just clarify. The vision of the dry bones was meant to communicate two things, that people are ruined and in a desperate state. Check. I think that fits us. People around us hurting, broken, feeling marginalized, outcast. The, 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 the field is ripe for harvest. The second thing that we know is that, that uh, God is giving hope to people whose hope has been lost. That's what the vision was about. Ezekiel, do you see these dry bones and do you believe God can still make them new? When you think about the divide in our country, pick your favorite ism, classism, racism, politicalism. Pick, pick your favorite one. Doesn't it seem hopeless? Doesn't it seem like there's no way we're going to get back together? Doesn't it seem like there's no way that, 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 that the people of God can, can ever be, in a, be, in, be ambassadors of the love and the peace and the joy of Christ? Doesn't it seem like we should just huddle up and circle the wagons and give up on the world? God never did that. My Bible said that he sent his only begotten son because of his incredible love for a world that was broken and despised him. And if that's the mission of our Savior, how can we do less? We look at the brokenness and we look at the division and we can't fix it. Lord knows we can't just say a word and it goes away, but we can speak God's truth into the dry bones. And we can love people and hold them and pray for them and care for them and wait expectantly that God is moving even when we don't see it. That was his first vision. Take dry bones and speak to them about God's resurrection power. He then gives him a second vision later on in Ezekiel 37. I'm going to jump down to verse number 16. Uh, God is telling Ezekiel again, son of man, take a piece of wood and carve on it these words. This represents Judah and its allied tribes. Then take another piece and carve the words on it. This represents Ephraim and the northern tribes of Israel. Then hold them together in your hand as if they were one piece of wood. And he goes on with the symbolism. And if you don't know the history, what has happened is that um, the, the, two, the 12 tribes of Israel have been split into two kingdoms. They didn't really like each other. At this point in history, one of them is pretty much considered lost and gone forever. But God is saying, I will find all of your brothers and sisters that have been scattered far away from you and who you are, uh, who you were separated from, who there's animosity between. And I will bring you back together as one. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will heal the divide and you will be reunited as you once were. God is a re reconciling. God. He loves taking broken things and putting them back together. He loves taking even us. He calls us treasures in jars of clay that have been battered and broken and scratched and cracked 
And he loves putting us back together to make us into something more glorious than we were before we were broken in the first place. I want you to believe that, that God will take your brokenness and turn it into something more beautiful than you would have been had you not endured that travesty, that heartache, that pain, that grief. God takes our ashes and makes something beautiful out of our lives. And it's not because we deserve it. It's not because we planned it. It's not because of our intellect or our abilities. It's because of, it's because of his amazing grace, mercy, and love to do more than we could even ask, dream, or imagine. He is good. And the song we just sang is, God, I will trust in you. That's the main difference between the priest and the prophets and the people that were falling away from God. Some people just trusted him. They just believed God was who he said he was. It wasn't about their circumstances or their, or their current uh, ability to, to have what they thought they needed or a certain level of status or affluence. They just knew that they knew that they knew that my God is good and I will be faithful to the God that I know to be the lover of my soul and to hold fast to the promises of God on the mountaintop and in the valley. And he says, Take the brokenness and the division and the separation, even those people that you are at odds with, and know that God is working all things together for his good. I'm going to ask you to do a little thought experiment. I'm, I'm just give you 30 seconds. Take someone in your life who your relationship with is not what you want it to be. Just get that person in your mind. Just take take. Ten seconds. You already thought of them. Don't, don't ignore that one that popped in your head. That's who God wants you probably to talk to. So just but pick a person. And ask yourself these questions. Do I still believe God can do more in this relationship than I imagine? Am I making room for the Spirit of God to move in that relationship? Have I been willing to die a little bit to myself so that God can live in me and turn those dry bones into life? God is calling us to do the same thing he called Ezekiel to do. To put the separated things in our hands and to believe that by his power, he can reunite us and bring us together as one. Now, there's a whole lot of caveats that I don't have time to get into in this few moments. I want to say that God bringing people together um, is, is not a panacea and a kumbaya moment, right? Some of us have gone through abuse and pain and neglect, and so I don't want you to take what I just said. It means that you're supposed to not have any boundaries with people that have hurt you. I don't want you to go there, but I'm saying there is 
in every situation a place where God can come in and in your heart make room for more peace and love and grace than we probably have given that relationship so far. And to have the wisdom to know what that looks like is absolutely within the purview. God didn't make anybody to be a doormat. But he also says, vengeance is mine. And we do our best to live at peace with everyone that God places around us. So that's another sermon. I'll let Pastor Kurt deal with that later on. <laughs> so the two sticks. Here's what I want us to pull from that story. And I know I'm going kind of fast. There's three points. One that God is a covenant-keeping God. When God said that he was going to take Israel and Judah and bring them back together, he's going all the way back to his promise to David, back to his problem to Abraham, that all nations on earth will be blessed through you. God has not broken his promise since Genesis 12. He is still in the business of bringing his people back to himself and a broken world back to himself. He is a covenant-keeping God. All the promises of God are made yes in Jesus Christ our Lord. Second thing, our location is not our destination. Our location, our current circumstances, our current realities, the current things that we are facing, the obstacles that seem overwhelming, whatever those are in your life, your location is not your destination. God said that you are already living in spaces in a heavenly realm, that he is calling you back, that he's doing in your life through you and, and for you more than we even can see. There are invisible realities around us that are spiritual in nature, but God said, I will bring you back to myself. And if God said it, then I believe it's true. And so I will not, as, as we say in, in, in my own church tradition, don't tell your uh, God, how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big your God is. That, that I will not get stuck and overwhelmed because my God is able. My God is able. He's an overcomer. He's a conqueror because he lives. I know that I will not fall circumstance. Nothing in this world or beyond it can take away the love of God and the destiny that he has for me. My location is not my destination. Number three. With God's help, you can do it. There was a t-shirt that we made in youth ministry, uh, one of the guys from my church, and I love it. And it was a simple little box and it had this equation, me plus you plus God is greater than anything. You plus God is greater than anything this world can throw at you. We believe that with God's help, we will arrive where he wants us to be. Okay, let me wrap up with this. I just want you to kind of see where this is going. Can I see that graph, please, the graphic? Here, let me give a little context. It's always important to understand the context for the story. In chapter 33 of Ezekiel, Ezekiel gets the word that Jerusalem has fallen. Whatever is the worst circumstances of your life, that's what that meant. Everything that you believe to be true about yourself, about your, about your family, about your lineage, about your heritage, about your destiny, about your God, everything that you believe and held fast to has just been stripped from you. There is no, that is rock bottom for the people of God. Everything that they had counted on is taken away in shambles, and they are in exile by an enemy. 
And so he, he's sitting there in captivity trying to figure out, God, I don't know where you are. I don't see you moving. I'm overwhelmed. I, I, I don't even know if you're real. I, I don't know if you're moving. I don't know. I, God, I'm just confused. And in that situation, God makes a couple of promises. I'm raising up a king. I'm raising up a king who will be true, who will love you, who will hold you, who will lead you, who will guide you. Now, we know that king thousands of years later to be Jesus. He did exactly what he said he would do. I will bring up a king who will lead you out of the darkness into my beautiful light. And so he promised them a king. And then he said, you know what? Not only am I going to give you a new king, but I'm going to make you a new people. I know your heart is prone to wander. I know you're prone to fear and distraction. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my spirit. I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to pour my spirit into you. You don't ever have to look for me. You don't have to wander. You don't have to go to a temple. You don't have to say a certain prayer. The living spirit of God dwells right in you. You've got a direct line. You don't even need a pastor on a microphone talking to you. You've got direct access to the lover and savior of your soul. 24-7, who sees your circumstances, who sees your challenges, and it says, I am Emmanuel. No matter where you are, I am with you and for you, and I will deliver you from everything that in this world or the enemy sets against you. And every now and then, I think we just got to stop and remind ourselves fundamentally with nobody else around, you know what? I believe what God said is true. I just believe it and I will hold fast because my God is undefeated. I'm going to give you a new king. I'm going to give you new people and I'm going to give you a vision for what I'm going to do in you and through you. The vision of the sticks of reconciliation, the vision of the resurrection of dry bones, he was giving him a glimpse at where God promised is the destination. Last slide, please, and I'm, I'm going to wrap up with this. I, I love this. It's always interesting to be visiting at a, at a church because I can say whatever and then I'm leaving and I don't have to deal with the fallout. So praise the Lord, Pastor Kurt, here you go. Okay, um, I saw in the slide that we're giving people a challenge for this week. So here, since I'm leaving, I can make it whatever I wanted to be. So here's what I came up with. Uh, next slide. This week's challenge. I want you to be an ambassador of reconciliation. To be that. Would you have the nerve, the guts, the courage, the gall? to see some brokenness and to step into that. Because a lot of times we see it and we just choose to stay back. It's a little messy over there. It's a little sticky over there. There's problems over there. I got enough problems. I don't need anybody else's problems. And so we are observers of brokenness as opposed to ambassadors of reconciliation. My brothers and sisters, would you live into your prophetic call? to believe God is working something new in that brokenness, and would you be an ambassador of reconciliation? Well, I don't know what that means. It's easy. Find somebody that's hurting. Find the people that God cared about, the widow, the orphan, the marginalized, the poor, the outcast, any of those groups, and try to take one step 
into their healing and restoration. That might be a word of encouragement. That might be a prayer. That might be a smile. Quick side road. I'm probably over my time. Let me give you a quick side road. I had a few weeks off and um, for, my, for my sabbatical a few years ago. And uh, sh- cut to the chase, I, I had a burden for homelessness. And so I did a little experiment and I tried, I lived out of my car for a few days. Um, and just to get a little closer to the pain of the people. I'm not encouraging you to do that, I'm just telling you what I did. So I lived out of the car and I was standing on a street corner with a sign asking for donations. And my commitment was I would only eat off of what I was given. I didn't use a back door. I, that's whatever I got is what I, what I had. And the, the point I want to make in this story is I was standing there, and I was, first of all, overwhelmed by the graciousness of people, by and large. And I was, I was um, convicted by the fact that often the people who were the most generous were the people who seemed to have the least. The people who were looking like they were about half a step ahead of me in the journey were the ones who were so kind and gracious and generous. That taught me something. The second thing I really learned was that after a few hours of standing on that street corner, I didn't even want money that much anymore. I just wanted people to look at me and acknowledge me as a human being. You didn't have to give me anything. Just see me. Acknowledge me. Encourage me. Acknowledge that even though you don't have any money to give me, I am worthy of a smile and a word of encouragement. And I was so convicted by that moment. I think that's what the whole sabbatical was about, for God to show me reconciliation comes in a lot of different forms. Encouragement isn't always solving the problem. So be an ambassador. The second thing is be a prophet of hope. Um, when you think of prophet, and this is true for Ezekiel, that he spent a lot of time condemning the people. Here's what we're doing. Here's where we're missing. Here's what God is displeased about. We are to be a witness for the kingdom of God and the glory of God, and we're falling short. That's all true. But what I love about this particular section, and almost always true as the prophets, is while they gave condemnation, they always give hope. Can I tell you that criticism is not a spiritual gift? Some of us think that our ability to criticize and point out what's wrong and and tell people where they're coming up short is our calling. That's never the whole calling, at least. That even in the midst of his condemnation, God gave Ezekiel a vision of hope so he could remind the people that I am for you. I love you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And the hope that you feel has dried up is present in our Lord. And he will be faithful. Could you give somebody a prophetic word of hope this week? You're not fixing anything. You're not solving any problems. You're just reminding them of what Jesus has promised to do. Amen? Father, would you use us as instruments in your hand? Would you give us the wisdom to see and the words to speak. May we be ambassadors of your love and grace and your mercy and your hope for your glory. Make us witnesses to our families, witnesses to the world, and we will give you all the praise. And all God's children said amen. Amen.